Hello and welcome to episode 358 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. And join me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? Going pretty good, Andrew. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. I, I can't complain. I've been taxed and vaxxed this weekend. Excellent. You know, I was just thinking then, um, all the preparation we put into these episodes in the off-season, we've really got to cut back on those six hours. Yeah, yeah, six. Yeah. Okay. Done? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's I had been... it down to about 16 minutes. <laughs> if that. Um, been a big weekend of rugby league action. Yeah, yeah, mostly by the journos. <laughs> yeah, there's not been much happening on this side of the world, has there? Um, no. Um, a lot of rumours, a lot of uh, innuendo, a lot of defending shitty articles. Yeah, which has been, that's been entertaining, let's be honest. Yeah, it has been. But we'll, we'll get down to it, because it's, um, I mean, it's, we're, we're talking elite level players here that are involved here. Yeah. So there's been rumours going on for the best part of the last few months anyway about Mitchell Pearce and that he could be leaving the Knights. Mm-hmm. And it kind of got sped up a bit when um, what's his name from the Cowboys came came down. You know his name. <laughs> that you're asking me the player's name. Yeah. I can see his face. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, young fella. Looks like Ma- he's twelve. He's not Matt Drinkwater. No, no, <laughs> Matt Daylight. Matt Daylight. <laughs> not him either. <laughs> Uh, Jake Clifford, that's him. Jake Clifford, that's him. He actually come down to there, he, and he started playing really well for them, started taking over at the halfback role. Yeah. And, uh, pretty good. An actual playmaker in the arms, which is good to see for a change. Yeah, it was nice. And it sort of escalated this talk that Mitchell Pearce is on the way out, and mm. he was being linked to a bunch of clubs, pretty much nearly all of them, that didn't have a halfback, which was nearly all of them. Um but it's kind of led into this rumour that's happened this week, and that is Luke Brooks might be going to the Knights. Now, the interesting thing yeah. before we went any further into this was that about, I've got a feeling it might have been 24 hours later, there was talk that Luke Brooks could be doing a player swap with someone from the Bulldogs. I went, uh, hang on. As soon as Brooks gets mentioned being linked with two clubs, I automatically go, both of these stories are now bullshit. Well... Mitchell Pearce, my understanding is he's been linked to a move to the Catalan Dragons Correct. to replace James Maloney. Now, yep. I, I think that, uh, look, he might do pretty well over there in Super League. You never know. It doesn't take much to be a star in Super League. But then that would open up the place in Newcastle. Brooks going to the Knights, the first thing that I thought was that about 72 hours earlier, you had pretty much all and sundry at the West Tigers saying that he was pretty much a West Tiger for life. Uh, well, I mean, we'd, we'd seen not just this year, but last year and the year before even that um, Chairman Lee and uh, Captain Potato, sounds like a Marvel fail comic really that does. Um, <laughs> i tell you what though, it might be failed, but I still want to see it. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> Um, you got this. They, they, you know, they had these stories out all the time about how they had no intentions of letting Luke Brooks go, and that they'd be willing to have him at the club 
for yeah, pretty much until he died. And even then, they'd probably sold his corpse up for another six years afterwards just to be on the safe side. Because that's what they do. Yep. So to hear these stories having him linked elsewhere, I went, yeah, you know what? I, I just... When when he was first linked to the Knights, I've gone, there might be something in this. But when he was linked to the Bulldogs just 24 hours later, I've gone, okay, I now know it's crap. Like these journos are just throwing stories out there, hoping something sticks because there's no fact between, behind any of this. Because if there was any fact behind the move to the Knights, they'd stick with it. But they didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that one didn't stick. Let's just link him with another club. Bam, and then that didn't stick. And then Tim Sheens has come out and he's gone. You're you're all just making shit up. Yeah, especially when you looked at who the main writer was behind these rumours. Who famously a couple of years ago, a Manly Seagulls forum set they thought he was getting uh, news from their forum, so they set him up. And they made a fake a fake rumor, and then he printed it a couple of days later. So they got him. <laughs> so I, when I saw who had written it, I was like, "Oh, this sounds like bullshit." Yeah, that's right. Um, I will say too that he's not the only one that's had that um, little play put on against them. True, true. Um, but uh, that's a chat for another time. I think yeah. we could do a whole episode on Jerno's been shit. We've not touched on that yet. No, no. We, I think we, we've we gone to mention it a couple of times in the past, but I think we've just skimmed over the yeah, whole... We, uh, we've the we've whole played thing. it safe. We've, yeah. we've done the straight bat. We've played it safe. Yeah. yeah we, might, we might do that if we get bored in the off-season. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been pretty clear that Luke Brooks is going nowhere. Yes. Um, Mitchell Pearce is probably likely to be going over to Catalan. We don't know yet, but I wouldn't have surprised him if he did. And I think he'd probably go pretty well there. Yeah. Um, just being, he is a reasonably good defender. And I think that's going to be something that will be, um, that'll be the biggest asset he'll take over as a Catalan because, you know, find, point to me a, an English half in the last 40 years at least who's been a really good defender. Yeah, there has not been one. No. Not one. Not it's one just, at all. They've just not needed to be. Simple as that. They've not needed to be. Yeah, or, you know, be able to pass or kick or set up a play. I digress. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that, there's that. So that's that's all been interesting. Um, the other thing that's been going on at the West Tigers, too, is there was briefly uh, a, a story going on about how Josh Hodgson was being linked to the Tigers. This was a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But this, I think it was this week, it got poo-pooed when Tom Starling was apparently in trouble again or was just in trouble with a previous incident or whatever. And the Raiders have pretty much said, oh, we're not letting Hodgson go because we might need him in case Starling, I don't know, gets in trouble or some shit. Yeah, it was a little bit unfortunate, I think, for the Raiders more than anyone because they they look like that they were getting ready to make a bunch of moves which they've been desperately needed to to do over the last few years mm. and it would have been a positive step forward and to get Hodgson off their books like I couldn't believe that the West Tigers would look at Hodgson um I think Hodgson should just go home you know he could play for another 6 or 7 years over in England yeah pick up a gig of Huddersfield fuck they'll make him a they'll make a statue of him 
Yeah, yeah. Simple as that. Um, so it, it, the one thing it's it's brought to my mind, which hasn't been discussed by anyone anywhere, mm-hmm. is the fact that the Tigers have now been linked to two old players they should not be looking at at all in Mitch Pearce and Josh Hodgson, neither of which would bring anything of any value to the club long term. You know, the and other one, sorry. I was going to say, and barely anything more than what they've currently got in the short term. Well, you know, the other player they've been linked to is Appy Corosau from the Penrith Panthers. And that, to me, feels like the Panthers looking to get out from Corosau's contract more than anything else. Because I think Corosau this year had a, a pretty average season. I think the season before he was much, much better. But he took, I think that he got one too many injuries last year. And this year he just didn't look himself. He had some off-field issues as well. And, you know, they're going to have to clear some salary cap space if they're going to keep all of their their stars in that premiership winner team. And it just seems like a position that they can do that in considering how he played. Um, I think Coruscant wouldn't be too bad for the Tigers, but... He's not exactly a star signing. Like, he's very much a West Tigers signing. Another club wants rid of a player, so they'd pick him up in November or something. Yeah, the problem with the Coruscant signing and why I don't think it'll happen is he's under the age of 35. Yeah, that's a good point. He's a bit sprightly. <laughs> he's not his, his Matthew John's prime yet. Yeah, yeah he, hasn't, he hasn't hit the prime and then gone past it, and then the Tigers go, ah. At least Josh Hodgson. At least Josh Hodgson looks like he's 37. Yeah, well, he has done for the best part of the last 18 years. Exactly. How do the Poms do that, hey? How do they get to be like 25 and then they go on to 37? I, I can only put it down to gravy. It's got to be the gravy. The gravy just, it takes all of the goodness out of your body, makes you go bald, and then uh, keeps, you, yeah, keeps you old <laughs> straight away. Keeps you old. It's like when uh, you drink out of the wrong Holy Grail. Remember in the uh, Indiana Jones? <laughs> it's basically the same shit. One is the fountain of the youth, the other is just a, a gravy boat. Yeah. <laughs> Lucky Indiana Jones wasn't English, eh? Hey? Like, which one's the Holy Grail? He would have been going, oh, it fucking looks like a gravy boat over there. Yeah. I can't put my fucking chips in that thing. Piss that shit off. <laughs> I'm not here for eternity. I'm here for chips and gravy. <laughs> Fuck off. Nom, 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 nom. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you what, though. That would also be another movie I'd be I'd be interested in watching. Yeah, I'd watch that too. Absolutely. So it's, um, it's interesting. There's so much wrongness about this whole, all these rumours and the Tigers. Yeah. Because it's... No matter which way you look at it, every single decision that involves the Tigers, all of them were wrong. Yeah. Like, like picking up Mitchell Pearce mm-hmm. or hanging on to Luke Brooks or picking up Josh Hodgson. <laughs> They're all bad decisions. Look, ironically, and you and me talked about it, Mitchell Pearce, I reckon he'd be fantastic as a hooker at the Tigers. He probably would, but yeah. I think I think uh, he's done in the NRL. I will I would say I, I think Mitch Pearce has got a lot more to offer to the Super League than Josh Hodgson does as well. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. He would go 
I'm talking all seriously. He would go over to England. He would be very close to possibly the best halfback over there. Because I, I don't think Pierce is an atrocious or a horrible halfback. I still think he's he's still decent enough to direct a team around the field. And that's basically all you've got to do in England to be a good halfback. And the fact that he can do that as well as be a decent defender and he's got a reasonable enough kicking game, you know, you only got to have a look at how much of an impact Aiden Caesar had at Huddersfield. Yeah. Merely turned up and they automatically were immensely better. Well, he'd, he'd just definitely be the best halfback in Super League. I mean, they they tend to think Lomax is a good halfback, and, and I've never seen Lomax do a single thing. So I, I just... Mitchell Lomax Pierce is going a out. weird one, man. I, I watch him and go, I can kind of see where a lot of English fans get excited about him. Because he looks like... I'm not saying he has. I'm saying he looks like he's got like good potential. But then you see how old he is and going, oh, hang on, he's never reached it and he's not going to. And it's like he gets 80% of the way to where he should be and then goes, this is all I need to do, and just stopped. But and they all do that. I know, but Lomax looked to be the most promising one because he got up to the 80% pretty quickly and you're going, oh, you know, there's no ceiling on this bloke. If he keeps pushing himself, you know, we might actually have a decent playmaking English half here. And then he just stopped. You know what? Half the problem is a lot of these guys, they they only get noticed because they come through Leeds, Wigan, or St. Helens. Mm -hmm. And because they're at those three clubs, they only need to get to 80%, and that's good enough. And so they stop pushing anymore. Yeah, Danny Maguire was a really good example of that. Yeah. Uh, pretty pretty good size for a five eighth. Uh, he, he had a lot of potential, but one day you just were like, "Oh, hang on, he's a twenty eight year old still playing like he's maybe got some potential." Mm. And that was it. And and they've been like that for for decades now. Their halves. Uh, it's kind of amazing that they just don't continue to progress. Yeah. And you know, Lomax to me, I've I just have never seen Lomax do anything that makes me think he's anything more than a park footballer. And if anyone wants to think that we're just we're shitting on the Poms here, I've, I've yes. got one player. Oh, sorry, <laughs> one player to make you realise how genuine we are with this comment. Okay, mm-hmm. do you remember Robert Louis? I do. Yeah. Do you remember how atrocious he was in the NRL? Yes, I do. Mm. He's a regular in the Super League. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, he and look, Louis had potential as, as a first grader, but his defence and his defensive reads were the worst I've probably seen from a footballer. And a lot of halves are not going to be good defenders. His defensive reads were. Worse than Todd Carney's. And a lot of people don't realise how bad Todd Carney's were. But Louis was... You know what, fuck, I'm going to say it. He defended like he was scared. He was scared <laughs> of the contact. And he, yeah. he, when he was running with the ball, he played the same way. He didn't want to get touched. He didn't want to get hurt. So, you know, when the, the West Tigers were happy to move on him, not just because he was um, an alleged wife-beating cunt, mm. um, 
he was basically just a really, really crap footballer. And they just went, you know what? We had to, they had to meddle with playing Benji at halfback to try and protect him a little bit. Then they had to try and meddle with having Farrah playing at halfback to try and protect him a little bit. You know, when you have to start moving your two best playmakers around to try and protect your halfback, your halfback's not up to it. And so and it's almost of, like they were buying time until they could get Brooks or Moses into the side, basically. Yeah, and that, I mean, geez, that's got to be about 10 years ago now, too. Yeah. So, it's like, it's crazy. Sometimes you you see some of the names that pop up in Super League. Um, Adam Cuthbertson is, is a classic one for oh, me. He's still going. Like, <laughs> it's, uh, it's kind of weird. Millington. I, I, yeah, Grant Millington. Yeah, he's another one. Uh, Conrad Hurrell, who I, I believe I saw is moving to St. Helens next year, which I didn't know was making that move. I saw some St. Helens fans talking about how he'd be good at their club next year. But, um, yeah, Super League is in a, a pretty pretty bad state at the moment, which uh, I guess we should talk about the test match that was played last night between France and England. Yeah, um, I mean, let's be honest. Um, England fans will be celebrating like they've won the World Cup because they finally won an international game against a nearly full-strength French side that hasn't played any international football for two years. Be close to that, yeah. When would their last international? Would their you... last international have been against the maybe against the Australian under twenties team? Remember they played in. Yeah. I went to the match. Well, I didn't see the match. I walked past the French team. And I understand it wasn't a full-strength French team at that time either. But the uh, junior kangaroos wiped the floor with them. But then, like, David Fafita was in that Australian <laughs> junior kangaroos team, which was – they must have been shocked when he ran out on the field. Okay, so, but, yeah, um, that, that was the last game. Actually, there was a game after that where they played against Western Division, which they won 22-20. to 20. And that was okay. a bit of a fiery game at Parks. But that was the week after they played the Junior Kangaroos where they got flogged 62-4. to four. Yeah, that, that was a shock of that, that result. Mushy. Should, should I go through that Junior Kangaroos team? Yeah, go through it because it's, it's, uh, it's pretty impressive. It, it is. It's pretty bloody impressive. Go on, right. go on. Pappenhausen, Campbell Graham, Brian Kelly, Zach Lomax, Ruben Garrett, Caelan Ponga, Brody Croft, Corey Horsburgh, Reid Mahoney, Thomas Flegler, David Fafita, Angus Crichton, Victor Radley, AJ Brimson, Nat Butcher, Emre Gula, Tino Farmasoluie, or whatever his name is. Pretty decent squad, that. You could send that team now to the World Cup next year, and I think that they would be top three at least. Yeah, they'd be competitive. It'd be yeah. Australia, Tonga, and then that side. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, anyway, so this test match, I watched the whole thing. I didn't watch it live. I watched the a full game replay. First 20 minutes, France were abysmal. I don't think they touched the ball for the first maybe 10 minutes. Um, they let the kickoff bounce and go over the dead ball line. They uh, Then they kicked a kickoff from a try. England had scored a try. They kicked their kickoff straight out in the full. Like, they were terrible. Their defence out wide was all over the place. And in the first 20 minutes, England was scoring a point a minute. Um, you wondered where this was going to end up. And then the game sort of settled down. The French forwards, uh, they're, they're not too bad. 
You know, they're not great, but they're not too bad. They try hard. They're not afraid of contact. And they really settled the game down a little bit. And it was weird. England just couldn't go on with it. And the game settled into a little bit of a back and forth ahead of halftime. Coming out of halftime, though, France were definitely the better team. It was kind of shocking. And they started playing some football. And we've always talked about the French outside backs. Look, they can't defend to save their lives. But damn, they can throw the footy around when they really get in the mood. And they started throwing the footy around. And I tell you what, in this game, at one point, they were winning the second half quite comfortably. And if a couple of things had gone their way, they would have really made a game of this. Um, there was a abstraction call, which was 50-50 at one point, which at the end of it, France had scored an amazing try. But there was an obstruction play in there that was close. Um, you know, and there were just a couple of things just went against them. And there was one play in particular late in the second half where England defended a French set and the English halfback, who had a Paul Carriage-type performance in this entire game, they might as well have run out two extra forwards than their halves. They would have got better performance if they had. Um, He just was terrible and it just killed their momentum. And that was kind of the game. That was it. You could see the the impetus coming out of the French team. Uh, and then they went back and forth, scored a try each, and, and that was it. It was game over. But this was a game that early on I thought England is going to score 60. I didn't think that would be good for them. I thought the France were going to be humiliated at home, but it didn't play out like that. And I think that there was a lot that the French can look at and say we were terrible in these areas of the game there was a lot of things I thought about with French rugby league that I think they need an an elite junior academy and one that is coached by Australians and one that gets their junior teams coming over, over to Australia whenever they can and play in our elite juniors because there were just certain things that you know, their defensive style and their some of their defensive instincts were wrong. Um, and as for England, I mean, they didn't really have any excuses and they looked pretty pedestrian at times. So Alex Wormsley was definitely my man of the match whenever he was on the field. He was a real handful, getting a lot of good go forward getting a lot of defenders around him, getting good offloads. He was a big part of the reason why they got off to a good start in the first 20 minutes and then why they started scoring points again towards the end. But there were a lot of English players that were very, very average in this game. And it's been a bit of a problem too because, I mean, it's not like this is a, a one-off poor performance for England. Yeah. They've had quite a few now for quite a few years. And... I mean, I've only seen some of the highlights, which is basically just the point-scoring plays. Mm-hmm. Um, but you look at it and just you just know that England, by all rights, should have put away this French team, especially given the start they had. Yeah, They should have been able to get to 40 or 50 because if you put on 20 points in 15, 20 minutes, you've got an hour to just to score another four or five tries against a team that's already on the back foot. That's not out of the question. And they seem to just go, that's enough. 
Well, I don't even think they did that. I just think that they they lack the ability to to go to the next level. And the mm. French, there's a, there's an aspect of the French which reminds me a bit of the Papua New Guineans, and that is, it doesn't matter what the scoreline is, they never fucking stop coming. Well, their forwards in particular, and like they've got some some handy forwards, some guys that you look at and you're like, man, if you could get them into an NRL squad with the team that's willing to put a bit, a couple of seasons of effort into them, uh, they'd be handy players in the NRL. Um, and England, I mean, England has a problem in that they tend to play the set and that's it. Like they're not, they're not looking for what they're going to do after this set. Exactly. There's no idea of what they're going to do with their kicking game. They sort of just play what's in front of them. They're like a dog chasing a car. You know, if they get it, they don't know what they're going to do with it. They're just <laughs> chasing the car. So well, like every hard. set has to end with points. Otherwise, we have to just start all over again. Yeah, exactly. You know, That's... they're not thinking to themselves, let's let's get France down on their own line and defend and just keep pressure on them until they make a mistake. It's just you sort of, well, this is the play that we're doing now. Um, their set plays would non-existent really they were just going side to side they didn't get much out of dummy half they didn't get much out of their halves their forwards were pretty solid but so were France's and you know it really come down to that shocking start by France and I can't I can't stress how bad France were in that first 20 minutes like some of their players I was looking at and thinking how is this guy even a rugby league player it was like they'd just been taught the game last week yeah it's it's uh there wasn't much you could take out of it for anyone, but I think France could probably take a little bit more out of it than England could. I think for England, there's no positives out of that, other than the fact that on the scorecard they got a win. But I think they've gone backwards from that um, shambolic game that they created, where they created their own opposition and lost that game against the combined team earlier this year. Yeah, and they, they were saying in the commentary in between calling all of their players world-class, which, as I said on Twitter, no one else says that. In the whole <laughs> rugby league play, like, no one in Tonga's going like, oh, Jason Talmalolo's world-class. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about, you know? But um, it's almost they, like they're trying to convince themselves. It really is. And they say it enough about, times and loud enough, it might actually catch on. Well, they were talking about Tommy Mackinson and they were like, there were some Australian judges that didn't really believe he should have been the golden boot winner, but Wayne Bennett said he's a quality player and Wayne Bennett's a really good coach. And it's like, if they say it enough times, maybe it'll stick. But um, yeah, they, look, they were pushing that they're going to be playing that made up team that they'll select to play against next year. This England team really needs to play France a bunch of times because this French team is their level. Yeah. Like, they're not above France. That's their level. Like, I was watching the game thinking, is this any more or less competitive than when Australia plays New Zealand mid-season sometimes? It's not really. Like, Australia puts one on New Zealand quite often when we play them in mid-season tests. And... You know, it was a similar sort of thing in this game. Yeah. I I think, too, that that's more of an indication of how far England has fallen 
mm-hmm. not so much about how poor France is. I don't actually think France has fallen. I think they're steadily moving up, but England have fallen a long way down, and not just recently. It's been going on for quite a while. Because mm. I think the gap between England and Australia, New Zealand, Tonga especially, is a chasm. Yeah, and we saw that when Great Britain tore down under, oh, and yeah. they they didn't win a game. They they lost to PNG, and that wasn't a fluke. No, no, not at all. They were completely decimated on the field, and PNG beat them not even through a skillful game plan, just through effort. Yeah, yeah, and they were all over them, you know, yeah. and um. I think the sooner the English Rugby League starts patting itself on the back and telling itself how good it is, the better. And I've always said that. You know, the players that come over to the NRL and do really well are the ones that come over with no ego. And they say, you know, I'm I'm going to start a career here. They don't come over saying, I'm fucking king shit. Um, And I think that there's too much of that I'm king shit stuff in Super League. You know, it, it's it's bad for the game over there. Um, and look, we've I think we've seen it at times in Australian rugby league too. I think that we've seen where we had a, a golden period where we were almost unbeatable, and oh, we started and we started saying, you know what, who's going to challenge us? And then as soon as we started saying that, we started getting challenged by New Zealand. Uh, you know, we were beaten fair and square in uh, one of our last tests against Tonga. It might have been our last test against Tonga. Mm. Yeah. And look, the, the rugby league world is changing, and I don't see those changes reflected in English rugby league. And it's going to get left behind if it doesn't start to modernise and start to take in lessons from the rest of the world. No, fully agree. Fully agree. Um they need to start realising, too, just how bad things are there. Remember back in the... might have been the... Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the 2000 World Cup. Might even have been actually after the 1997 Super League World Club Challenge. Yeah. The English decided after... I think, I'm pretty sure it was the second one, actually, that after that tournament, they were going to do a review of English Rugby League to find out why they were so far behind the Australians. Yeah. And they came up with some bullshit, barely feasible and definitely completely wrong reason, which was so easy to fix. Mm. But they never managed to fix it because when the World Cup came around, they got smacked again. Yeah. It's about time they got one of those reviews done by someone who, A, has nothing to do with English Rugby League and, B, someone who's probably from Australian Rugby League who knows what being successful looks like. Maybe yeah, Brian they, Smith, for example. He's good at doing reviews. Well, you know what they need? They need somebody that's not turning up for a paycheck, and yeah. they need somebody that's not going to blow smoke up their ass because they tend to get enamoured with people like that. You know, Wayne Bennett turned up for a paycheck, and that's fair enough. He's a professional coach. Um, but they also get enamoured with people like a Sean McRae who have, you know, a 20-year career there because he keeps telling them how wonderful they all are and they love being told that by people with accents like ours. Um, there's a lot of changes they need to make from junior rugby league there right the way through. 
<clears throat> and you could write down a thousand points that they need to do. Like it needs to be a, a gigantic wide ranging change that they need to make to their game. But uh, I don't think they'd be willing to implement any of it. They don't like change. They just want to stand pat and, you know, Good. yeah, pretty much. And it, look, it's not everyone, but unfortunately it's the people that are in positions of power over there. Yeah, they enable that behaviour. Pretty much, yeah. And I mean, as long as the right people are successful over there, everything's fine. You know, everything's going great. Just ask them. So I, I just can't imagine that anything's going to change. But, yeah, I think you could get change in French Rugby League. I know that uh, Trent Robinson is now their director of elite performance or something like that. They gave him one of those titles. And, yeah, if I, I watching the game, the first thing I thought is that France needs an elite academy for their juniors. They're going to lose some of those juniors to rugby union, but they've just got to cop that on the chin and hope that at the other side of that, they'll be teaching their young rugby league players um, just a lot of the basics, how to defend, you know, how to stay in the line. If yeah. they, You could teach the French team how to defend properly when not to run in because there was some jared crockett style defense from the french um if you could do that i was gonna say that's because a lot of them don't have that massive ego that they think they know how to do it better than anybody else they're willing to sit there and listen yeah yeah um so that's i i think it's going to be a lot easier to improve french rugby league than it will be to improve the english because the english refuse to they refuse to listen, refuse to learn, and they refuse to change. Yeah, I mean, and look, I've I've said for many, many, many years now, I think France will challenge the likes of Australia before England ever will. Oh, absolutely. Fully agree. Um, now, the other thing that came up while we're talking about English Rugby League is um, the Ottawa Aces team from Canada. Looks like they aren't able to field a team based in Canada, so they're going to relocate to England and they need to find a city to move to. Yeah, now, I was talking to somebody, I won't say who, but I was talking to somebody about this Ottawa Aces team uh, at one point, and I said, you know, whoever runs their, their Twitter feed is a genius because they are running a Twitter feed of a team that does not exist and they're doing everything they can for a team that doesn't even have a player in the team. Um, and, yeah, so when it came out that they weren't going to exist anymore, they were going to, you know, move to England. How, like, how do you move a team that doesn't exist somewhere? Do you just say it? Piece of piss. I mean, that's yeah. it. they've done it, haven't they? Yeah, it's like, so, well... So now the job I... is, you know, where do they move to? Well, and I was where thinking, do you move them? Well, I was thinking they've got two options, that is. They can do the smart option or they can do the English option. Okay, well, let's go with the English option first. Okay, they look at Home Firth, um, or maybe Whitby. Back to Wrexham. Poor, oh, gee, I mean, you know, now we're talking. That's what they look like doing. They they find some small town somewhere along the was it the M sixty two. Yep, and they just go there. They'll set up stump somewhere. Um, yeah, you could even bring back a far town team. Who wouldn't want a team that's got fart in the name? I mean, that's, I a, know, that's right? a classic. They could, you know, 
get the mower out and fix up the ground and clean it up and you know you might need to get the stands to get past council approval and stuff so people could sit in them because they're probably decrepit and not really functional anymore but you know you can get around these things considering that at one point i believe bradford was playing at dewsbury and dewsbury obviously plays at dewsbury could we also have ottawa playing in dewsbury wow i figured now now that um one of the esteemed super league you know former officials owns or basically has a a large share in the running of oddsall why not just put Ottawa at Oddsall starts two O's. What's you know, alliteration is lovely. Yeah. Ottawa at the, the Ottawa Owls at Oddsall. <laughs> you could you could call them the Ottawa Oddsalls. Oh, even better. Yeah. See, this is working. Now the smart option is you go to a major city that doesn't actually have a rugby league presence. Mm-hmm. Um but it's a major city with a population of say more than church. On a Sunday. Okay. Now, what cities would you choose? Birmingham. I would go straight to Birmingham as well. To me, that's a no-brainer. It's close. I mean, I know the Poms think it's far away from the rest of their clubs, but it's not. And it's an entire city. It's a working-class city. They will say to you, well, it's a football town, and they don't want anything to do with rugby league. It's like, yeah, because this game that you believe is the greatest game in the world that everyone would love to follow if they just got a chance and you don't give them a chance. Yeah. They're being very exclusive mm. when they can't afford to be. It's madness. I, <laughs> it's like an in-joke, but it's only with one person. There's no one else involved in the in-joke. They're just sitting in the corner giggling to themselves. Look, there are people that would be happy for rugby league in the UK to be like one of those sports that you'd end up seeing on. Remember that old TV show called amazing games <laughs> where they would, you know, tell you about Greek fucking oil wrestling and handball and cough ball and shit like that. No, oh, there's this weird little rugby game in the North of England. They call rugby league and it's only played between tiny little towns. Like there's people that would love that. Yeah. To to be a quaint, have a quaint existence. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That that's that's kind of the the ballpark they're looking at. Bunch of flat flat cappers they call them. And uh, yeah, I'd go to Birmingham. I'd change the name of the team. Um, I don't know what I'd call them. The, I guess that would be up to some market research. Which the Birmingham Badgers. What if you did, like, uh, you just call them the Birmingham Black Sabbaths? <laughs> the Birmingham Bats. Yeah, you, know, you know what? The Bats. That's actually pretty good. What if it's a headless bat? Oh, yeah. That would be great. We have the Birmingham Gravy Boats. Fuck, that'll get the fans on board. I'd be like the Manchester United at Rugby League in three years' time. I'll give them three months. <laughs> <laughs> you get Greyvox on the front of the sponsor, the front of the jumper. Call the stadium the, the gravy boat. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure it's it's all brown. All the yeah. seats are brown. Even get the grass brown. Paint it brown if you have to. Play on brown turf. Yeah. That, this has got to work. 
and the vendor inside just sells chips. <laughs> just chips. Every, every seat has a cup holder on the side of it, and in that cup is just it's just some gravy. Just gravy. They have <laughs> so the gravy is free with your ticket price. Yeah, it's got you got a little tap. Ben, if that's not fill, if that's not going to fill a fifty seat stadium out there, nothing will. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, Birmingham. I, I think for me that sounds pretty good. Absolutely, they've got to go. You know, they need a big market. It's dying out for it. Absolutely, and yeah, you know, championship the championship competition over there. Their second division is going to struggle now because. They don't have the Toronto side that was in there and dominating it from was it two three years ago, mm-hmm. and now they've lost Toulouse as well. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be a bunch of English teams now, I believe. And look, that's fine for that it is level fine. of footy, you know. But that was the one thing that made Championship an actually more intriguing contest to watch than Super League. Yeah, is it did have these different regions involved, and now it's just going to be all small English towns. They they can work on that at that level though. It's true. I I think that um. I mean, Featherstone's probably going to be the next team to get promoted to Super League. Don't. Just don't. <laughs> at the expense of. <laughs> It'll be at the expense of someone important, and they'll say, "Well, it's sport." It'll be London. Oh no, London's already gone down. Nah, there. London's gone. Um, struggling from from what I understand. Could be Salford. I, I I don't know. I haven't really sat down and and taken a look and thought who do I think it will be. Um, we'll find out. We'll, we'll find, find out. Maybe we can do that for the preseason, uh, the the season preview next year. We'll say who we think is going to get relegated. I'm I'm keen to check that. out. That's going to be an interesting conversation. Yeah, it's going to be Wigan. <laughs> Got to mention that that, was, that would almost fold English rugby league in half in the, <laughs> immediately. No Wigan. Look, that's the the ridiculous thing about it all is that the Parramatta Eels, Melbourne Storm, Penrith Panthers, Sydney Roosters have all won wooden spoons in the NRL in the last twenty years, and all of those teams have also won premierships. And so you think about if you had have just turfed those teams out of the competition when they got the wooden spoon in the NRL. It's madness. It is the dumbest fucking system on earth. But, and see, this is, I've, I've just had a brainwave mm-hmm. about how to make my team successful, and that is they relocate to England. <laughs> yeah. Okay, the reason being, no matter how shit the Tigers have been, They've never won a wooden spoon, so they'll never get relegated. But if every other team around them does, surely they can be the last team standing and they finally get a title. That's the that's what Huddersfield have been trying to do for fucking uh, you know, years. It's a, it's a work in progress. True, true. It's a work in progress. But, you know, Huddersfield have been relegated. That's a good point. Yeah. See? See? you got to start somewhere. You do. That And Huddersfield, they've... They're, they're good at starting somewhere. The next step's a hard one because you've got to figure out what you're going to do after you've you've started somewhere. Mm-hmm. But that's where they're at. They've been there for 12 years, starting somewhere. But they're there. They're still there. They're still somewhere. Yeah. Big supporter <laughs> base too. Yeah, they get about 300 people at every game now. 
wonderful town. Uh, they call it the Jewel of Europe. The Jewel of Europe? Mm-hmm. I need to know who these they people are. Oh, they're mostly meth heads. <laughs> they take a lot of methamphetamine. Are they from Leeds? I don't, I don't know. What what type of drug do you reckon they do in Leeds? I feel like Leeds would be a big coke area. <laughs> uh, no, they're just living on reality there. That's that's heavy enough. Poor cunts. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel this could go further downhill much more rapidly. That's true. Um, what other rugby league news have we had? We I don't know if we've talked about it, that Wayne Bennett is officially the coach of the Dolphins. Um, uh, we, I think we mentioned in the last episode we had, I think that he was unofficially going to be approached. Yeah, now he's official. It's all, yeah. all official now. Um, prior, prior to being made official, he'd been told, well, I mean, we'd all been told that he was going to be the, the head coach mm-hmm. before the club had made any announcement and before he'd actually gone to the club and actually had an interview about the role. Mm-hmm. So they all told us that Wayne Bennett was going to be the new coach. And then about three days later, it's like, here's footage of Wayne Bennett finally going to the Dolphins headquarters. It's like, just kept that one on the quiet. <laughs> I know, right? Um, he's coach. Oh, he's coach. <laughs> if he gets this team up and running, he makes some good signings. And within two years, they're beating the Broncos, which at this point is not a huge ask. Would that no. be the greatest act of revenge of his entire career? Um, he's in I, Brisbane, he's coaching, what, and he's was, beating the Broncos after would, a couple of years. It would be a continuation of the greatest act of revenge because I think he got that greatest act of revenge when the Broncos decided to do that swap with Seabold from South. That's good. And Seabold went to, to the Broncos and turned them to crap, and Bennett went to South and made them a top-four team and kept them there. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a very good So point. I think this would be... I wouldn't say it's rubbing their noses. I'd say it's genuinely pissing on a Broncos jumper and then making them and then rubbing their noses in that and just sort of putting a foot on their head and just keeping it in the piss. Jesus, that was very descriptive. Yeah, yeah, but I think that's kind of where we're at now. I think he's okay. already done the rubbing the nose in part. I think now we're approaching the uh, foot on head part. What do you think about all of these people that don't live in Brisbane that are, are pissing and moaning that the club, the Dolphins, have said, you know what, we're not going to rush into what we're going to call ourselves we're going to take our time, do a little bit of market research and see what works best. And you've got all of these people that aren't in Brisbane that won't be, you know, the club's not for them saying, but I want a name now. I really want it now. You know what's interesting about that whole debate mm. is these people, are all, they're all looking about the fact that the Dolphins don't have a location as part of their name. But not one of them has once complained about the fact that the Warriors are just known as the Warriors. Mm-hmm. For a while, they're known as the New Zealand Warriors. They haven't been Auckland since, what, 2001, I think it was, let me think, 2001. It was 2001 because I think it was the off-season that the 2000 World Cup was, yeah. was being played in that is when that, because they were owned by a tribe and that all collapsed and the NRL basically restarted the club. That's right. 
So I haven't had a location for 20 years. No one bats an eyelid. Mm. The dolphins come out and go, yeah, we're just going to be known as the dolphins for, for now until we figure out what we're going to call ourselves. Everyone's going, oh, you should have a name. Yeah. Fucking pipe down. Furthermore, the West Tigers don't have a location. Yeah. This is West. Wests. That's it. I don't yeah. like names like that these days, hey. Where it's no, just... no, but it's just it's just new. So I, I do have a solution though that will make everyone happy. Okay. Okay. We won't call them the dolphins anymore. We'll call them Earth Dolphins. Earth? Yeah, that would work. They're on Earth. That's right. It's a location. Problem solved. And you know, as far as Redcliffe's concerned, they can, or the dolphins are concerned, they can look at it and go, you know what? That includes Redcliffe. It includes Morton Bay. But it doesn't tie us down to one small geographical region. We're kind yeah. of open there, kind of like dolphins. They travel around freely around the oceans of the world. Why can't we just be called Earth Dolphins? I like this idea. What if you called them, what would be the most ridiculous name for them? The Outback Dolphins. It's <laughs> not, not a great deal of dolphins in the Outback. I think maybe if they um, really pigeonholed them down to one really small region. Maybe they call, could call them the Petrie Dolphins. Where's, what's Petrie? Where's that's Petrie? A, that's a Brisbane train station suburb sort of thing. All right. Is that small, like that? Small area in the northern northern suburbs. Is that like uh, Clyde, which is basically just a train station in uh, Sydney? Kind of, kind of. Petrie's yeah. known for, I mean, it's a train station, obviously. Um, and the train, the train line has a small bend as you head north. Mm. And... Um, on more than one occasion, if a train goes through that station, an express train goes through that station a bit too quick, it can come off the rails there. Oh, really? Yeah. And that, that's a handy euphemism to know about if their season goes poorly. Yeah. You know, oh, the old Petri trace, old Petri dolphins have come off the rails. It's oh, off the rails. See? See, I'm already doing the work for the media as, as it is. I, just I mean, go no, back. Listen, so, you know, start pushing that barrel, you fucking idiots. <laughs> Just going back a little bit, um, teams that have names like Wests or n- like, say it's North Sydney, you know where it is. It is n- the northern side of Sydney. But when it's just something like Wests, like it, it becomes a bit of a problem for me. Yeah, well, see, the thing is with the West Tigers and kind of like the Warriors, mm-hmm. because of where they come from, you know, come from, not not location-wise, but where the team has come from. So the Warriors have emanated from Auckland Warriors. So people yes. just go, okay, they're called the Warriors, but we kind of just assume they're Auckland. Yeah. And the West Tigers, they go, well, you know, it's Western Suburbs. We just assume it's Western Suburbs, Sydney. So that's kind of what goes on there. But just because there's that past connotation doesn't mean that that's factual and that's what it is. Yeah. People just attach that on there to justify not worrying about that, but giving a shit about the dolphins not having a location attached to it. How would you how would you feel if the Tigers in their new era decided to change their name to the West Sydney Tigers? Fine. Yeah. Wouldn't care. This is the thing I this is the thing I don't get about all these complaints. It's a it's it means fucking nothing. Yeah, and I think that that was proven by this season where all of our teams relocated. Yeah, look, if, if Penrith come out and said, look, you know, due to 
whatever circumstances, we're now going to change ourselves to the Kingswood Panthers. I think people would really give a shit. Are you, are you still wearing the same colours? Yeah, are you still playing the same venue? Yeah, you still got the same players? Yeah, fine, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, and look, I, I've said in the past, if they decided... The thing about Penrith Panthers is that it works really well. Like, Of course. You know, but if at the same time, if the club said, look, we we will make 1.5 million bucks a year more if we call ourselves the Western Sydney Panthers, I'd be like, where's my new jersey? Where's yeah. my new Western Sydney Panthers jersey? Because it... it as you say, it wouldn't really make much of a difference. Nah, makes makes fuck all difference. But people seem to want to, I don't know. For some reason, we've now got fans for clubs globally. Even when, yeah, even amongst Australia, they're all over the fucking place. Yeah, they're everywhere. But for some reason, they still want to tie them down to to you know two or three fucking postcodes. I don't get it. Like, why must we? pin down <laughs> the dolphins to a specific suburb or 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 government area in in Queensland somewhere but Melbourne can just represent a whole entire fucking city the roosters can you know represent an entire fucking city so it's got other teams in it as well west tigers they just look after one point on a fucking compass <laughs> We don't know where that's. Where's West? Doesn't exist on a fucking map anywhere. You know, and it's just the Warriors. Just we don't know if they're Auckland, don't know if they're New Zealand. Why must we have different rules for different clubs just to appease certain idiots? And the answer is we don't need to have rules for all of that. We just need to accept that we have fucking idiots who who follow the game. And when it comes to matters like this, we need to ignore the fucking idiots because their opinion doesn't fucking matter. It feels very much like the Cameron Smith retirement to me. Exactly. It's like the media's like, well, we need a name. We need a name. We need it. And the Dolphins are like, just chill, man. And, and the, you know, the, when they run out, they're going to have a name. They're not going to not be called something. That's but right. If they're not called something, that's fine too. Like it's, We know they're from Brisbane. We know they're from Redcliffe. They're going to be the Dolphins. I'd I like the look of the logo they've been using as a placeholder. It's very clean, looks great. Um, it'll be cool to see what their finished product logo and jersey looks like because I feel like it's going to be very cool. It is a little bit weird seeing the, like a team called the Dolphins in red. Normally you'd think it would be a blue sort of team or an, an aqua sort of team, but it's different. That's cool about it. Well, yeah, maybe they can be killer Dolphins like Mad Squirrels. Dolphins. Yeah, yeah, like even the, red eyes. Well, like the uh, Mad Quokkas too. Exactly. These adorable little bastards. They are. You just want to give them a cuddle until it splits your throat. You really do. <laughs> they're like gonna stick a shiv in ya. But ah, they're so adorable. They are. I I did have a comment that I made on on uh, Twitter during the week mm-hmm. to Travis Main. And if you don't know who he is, um, I don't blame you. He's a nobody who writes for the Courier Mail. Um, basically, what he does, uh, this is how of small uh, profile he has. He basically just copy pastes whatever he can find and tries to get Peter Bedell to talk about it. And if you don't know who Peter Bedell is, 
don't don't be upset because he's just as fucking useless. He's just been at the Courier Mail a little bit longer, so a few people in few more people in Brisbane know who he is. He's just another Daily Telegraph slash Courier Mail, you know, hatchet monkey. Really, he just shits on the game from a high from a high position for some reason. Travis Mates come out saying NRL fans have a built-in bullshit radar, and this stinks. And I said, yeah, they do have a bullshit. Peter, we use it to spot fake rage out journalists. And when they used to try and enact a change that they agree with, typically something that will create more news so they can just justify their salaries in existence, they'll run these fucking agendas like this because that's all this is. Yeah. This is not about them wanting to make sure that the Dolphins have a set name. They've probably got some fucking agenda tied in as to who they want, you know, what they want it to be named. And on, sure enough, on here, they've got... Dolphins and a picture with question marks after it and underneath it says Morton Daly. And I went, ah, oh, I wonder if maybe they want them to be called the Morton Bay Dolphins. Well, apparently Morton, the Morton Bay Council put money towards the Dolphins' bid to join the NRL. And when and and look, this is what the media has said, so take it with a, a big oh, fist for the Morton Bay Council probably gave money to the journos to push their fucking barrier for them as well, but that's just me being cynical. Well, that's the thing. Like, apparently the journos are saying that Morton Bay is not happy that they're not going to be called the Morton Bay Dolphins. Now, I would have, I would think that anybody in their right mind would know that they were never going to be called the Morton Bay Dolphins. I think when it all comes down to it, they're going to say, fucking Brisbane Dolphins, easy, not a problem, you know. I, I just think that they're going to go with the safe option because, as we said in the last part, or a couple of podcasts ago now, if they're the Brisbane Dolphins for two years and then they change to Redcliffe or whatever else, that will be fine. It's a football club. It's not life or death. Yeah. Maybe they should just call them the West Dolphins. <laughs> West Dolphins. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Western Suburbs Dolphins. Why not? a lot of dolphins in the western suburbs. They're out there with all the tigers. <laughs> <laughs> tigers and dolphins swimming around in the jungle. It'd be great. <laughs> uh, well, that's a, that's been a fascinating look into the dolphin saga, which doesn't really exist, but, you know, the media wants one, so pff, here we are. It's funny how, like, you get a new team and it's a club with a great history, a great, great history. And straight away, the media is trying to shit on it before they've even played a game in the NRL. Isn't well, the media wonderful? Well, that's because the media don't understand the history of anything. Yeah, that's a good point. They know also, nothing about the game. the thing that needs to be said is the Courier Mail, which is owned by News Limited, and News Limited is a, I believe, a 25% owner at the very least of the Brisbane Broncos. So there is that. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, and, and that is worth noting. <laughs> Yeah, it kind that's of should that's come something up. to ignore. Yeah, it should come up from time to time. I know it doesn't, but, you know. Exactly. Um, now, I do have a stat. Okay. Now, now that Wayne Bennett's been named the coach of the uh, the Petrie Dolphins, yes. um, that will make Wayne Bennett the first ever coach in the, you know, the Australian competition. The top grade, yeah. Yep, to coach two teams in their inaugural seasons. Oh, that's an interesting one. And that was a question that um, Wayne Shapiro asked. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look into it. Yeah. Um, 
the closest we had was Peter Sharp because he coached the Northern Eagles when they had their debut season. Mm-hmm. And then he coached Manly when they returned or split out of the merger. But that doesn't really count. The other one would have been, that was close as well, was David Waite. He he was the first coach of the St. George Laura Dragons. And he yep. was the coach of the Knights, the Knights in 1991, three years after they started. Ah, uh, 90 or half. Damn it. Who was, was the close. Knights' first coach? Ah, uh, fuck, that's a good question. Who was this? I have to have a look. Yeah. Um, it was Alan McMahon. Of course it was. Oh, Alan McMahon. Damn. I was thinking, for some reason in my head, the name uh, Alan McIndoe was stuck. I thought, no, nah, it's, it's not who it was. Alan no, McMahon. He would have still been playing at Penrith at the time, or maybe. Yeah, yes. Yeah. It just, but that's the name that come up in my head. Tell you what, that's a bloody good name. He doesn't get much recognition, but he was a bloody good winger. Which one? Alan McIndoe. Alan McMahon as well, but Alan McIndoe was a very good winger. He's very a, underrated winger. I tell you what, Robbie Beckett doesn't get mentioned enough for how good he was for the Panthers, I reckon. That's true. I don't understand it. <clears throat> um, that's because Pat Richards has been taking all the glory from him <laughs> with his kickoffs. I mean, I, um, I know I know you've been a little bit mocking them, but I also know you were in all of those kickoffs. Well, everyone was. I mean, any time that you wing his best fucking quality is when he kicks the ball off. It's just amazing, especially with how many times the West Tigers used to kick the ball off. Yeah, you got to see it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> An awful lot. We had to do something with it. I know, right? As the best attacking player of the game. <laughs> like, oh shit, they almost dropped that one, but now they've got it 35 metres out in the first tackle. Yeah, our game plan for a long time there was gravity. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, you bastard. <laughs> oh man. Um, yes, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Um, yeah. Dean, Dean Ritchie's got some article going on, which if, you, if you're really bored, you could read it. It's something about how the whole Luke Brooks saga unfolded. I didn't really fold, but, Does you know. Does it have to fold to unfold? Yeah. It, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Luke Brooks commits to West Tigers after denying Knight's whispers. Let's be honest. The whispers came from the media. Yeah. And he committed to the West Tigers when he signed a fucking contract with them. That, and that, that contract's really West Tigers friendly. Yeah, it's like, like a, super West Tigers friendly. It's pro- I think it's something along the lines of a, a two-year deal with 18 years in the West Tigers' favour. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I, would, I wouldn't be shocked if he was on, I don't know, 60% of what Mitchell Pearce is earning. Yeah, there's, there's talk that... Um, Brooks is on a million a year. I there's do no, not believe that for a minute. There's no fucking way. No, no. way. You know what? He signed a long-term deal. I, I remember when he signed that deal. It was a it was a pretty cap-friendly deal at the time. Yeah. And unless it's had some ridiculous boosters in place for when the salary cap went up, uh, there's no way he's on a million. No, no, not even close. So, yeah. Yeah, it looks like we're stuck with him for a while. Would you 
Here's a question for you, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Would you swap him for Mitch Moses? No. Okay. Just thought I'd ask. No. And it, it's not me being a smart ass either. You look at Mitch Moses in the team that is inherently better than the West Tigers in nearly every possible way. Mm-hmm. Defensively better. Forwards are better. Better go forward. And look how one-dimensional Mitch Moses is there. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I don't know. I, don't know. I, like, I think you if know, you put I think if you put Luke Brooks in the Parramatta Eels, you make Parramatta better. I think if you put Mitch Moses in the West Tigers, you make the Tigers worse. I, I don't know. My personal, like, I'm I'm totally out on Luke Brooks, right? I said that, I think, halfway through the year. I feel like they're probably level pegging in terms of their ability to make a team better, but I think that Mitch Moses has, as an individual, the ability to turn a game with his running game. But, I mean, that's... But his running game goes absent too often. And that's the thing. It's theoretical. You know, it's like... has a better running game. I I like the idea of Mitch Moses uh, over Luke Brooks in, in terms of... I think what if would you actually just, happen, I think it'd be just switching them, and I think you'd get the same results. No, I, I, I'm pretty certain if you if you switched them over, because Brooks is a more committed ball runner mm-hmm. than Moses, you would have a. And I'm, we're not talking big differences here, but you would have a better performing Parramatta attack with Brooks at Parramatta. Brooks at Parramatta. Moses gets very kick happy very quick. If he has just if he gets rushed once or twice in a game, he goes into his shell for two or three weeks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brooks doesn't. It's like uh, Reagan Campbell Gillard. You hear him a couple of times really early on in the game. He's gone. He's you don't see him again for the rest yeah. of the game. Yeah, and Moses has got more opportunity to shine and play more of his natural game and be more of a ball runner at Parramatta than what he will get at the West Tigers. And yet Brooks does more ball running, in my opinion, than what Moses does. Looking at it from and look, I don't think I think it's all bullshit. I think I think Richie wrote it. It says it all. But uh, <laughs> self censor. Um, <laughs> if you look at the what the say they're going to lose uh, Mitchell Pearce at the the Newcastle Knights, and that's a move we've talked that they've needed to make. I, I think that it would be better for them to bring in a more traditional 5-8 rather than bringing in uh, a, somebody that's a halfback. Like, I, I think that I, I think that they don't need two halfbacks. They could really go, like, if they could get Dylan Brown, damn, that would be such a good move for them. I don't think they could get Dylan Brown, but he's no. the sort of player that would be just perfect for them. Yeah. Uh, I think the Knights are going to be okay with what they have. Mm. I, I I don't mind what they've got there in the in the half stocks. If they've got a, a decent enough organisation, I think Clifford can be that person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you just need ball running playmakers around that. Like Caelan Pongers would be perfect as a six. I prefer him as a fullback to be honest, but he'd be yeah. he'd be fine as a number six there. Yeah, one hundred percent. But then uh, that need a, you you've got to have a, a full time fullback. I don't like any of their players as fullbacks to step no. in. But, like, then you would look around the rest of the league and maybe they could take Dylan Edwards, hey? That'd be nice. Premiership on a fullback, mate, he, won't, he will not be cheap. Exactly. 
don't worry. They've probably already said that to Justin Pascoe. <sighs> I'm sure of it. Actually, I'm not sure of it because I don't think anyone at Penrith would be talking to, to Potato. It's a good point. And I think he's got his eyes on Matt Moylan anyway. Um, um, well, he can't. Fucking Sharks locked him up. Are you serious? Did they yeah. re-sign him? Yeah, they've got him for a, one more year with a two-year option, I think, in their favour. That's but insane. I'm pretty sure he's taken a pay cut as well. Still, what, like, uh, that's that's insane. That's a burnt first-grade spot, if you ask me. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, oh, they did us. A, they did us a solid over at the Sharks, and you know they needed to. They they kind of took quite a few players off our hands in the past. Yeah, that's a they good just, point. They just keep doing solids for us. <laughs> yeah, I can't hate Cronulla. They took <laughs> Woods, uh, you know, via proxy via Bulldogs briefly. Um, Bo Ryan, I'll never, I'll never hate him for taking Bo Ryan. <laughs> Fuck, he was just a pest. Um. Heinington. I'm sure there were others. Wasn't it? Didn't they? Was it Bryce Gibbs? They also took. Yeah, they took, took Bryce Gibbs. Yeah. Mind you, I didn't. Bryce Gibbs was okay at the time when they when they took him. He had two good features about him, and that was he's a, he's a good enough defender in the middle, and he had fast play the balls. I saw and, a video. Remember that game they played? I saw this video today. The game they played against the Bulldogs. Oh, uh, Emily. Yeah, no, merely just fucking switched him off and then just basically walked around the field just growling. It was amazing. Yeah. You know, for all of the talk about concussions and things like that, there is still that within rugby league players where if you legally, and it was completely legal, but if you run into a player and you knock them out just through sheer force... You feel good about it, and it sounds fucked up. It sounds yeah. terrible, but there that is part of that warrior thing within rugby league players, and that's a really good example of it where you saw his teammates were high-fiving him and patting him on the back, and O'Mealy's, like, walking around growling after it and shit like that. It's uh, That's why it's such a, a hard part to get out of the game because, you know, O'Mealy wanted to turn him off and Gibbs went into that tackle wanting to smash O'Mealy as well. And only one of them survived, unfortunately. But um, it's like when Chief Chief Harrigan used to take on Mark Carroll and they would just basically throw themselves at one another until one of them just got fucking turned off. It's <laughs> something about rugby league players that they're fucking mad in, on they, some level. They are. You know, um... I feel like we probably need to wrap this one up because I've got a little fellow like he's about to start waking up. Oh, jeez. Is that what you call it? Yeah, yeah. Why not? <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> listen, you know where to find us and thanks for listening. <laughs> so, um, oh, I can do a proper outro. Okay. Why not? We're okay. here. So make sure you tune in, check us out on socials at uh, Twitter and, and Instagram at Virgo Freak Pod. We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, MySpace. So check us out on all of those. Um, make sure you go to your podcast listening device and give us a five-star rating and a review. 
And thanks for listening, I guess, and we'll catch you all next time.